Welcome, it's indisputable, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than attorney at law, TYT contributor and author Adrian Lawrence. And I'm going to mix up the bullpen today. Instead of a knockdown debate, we will bring one of my mentors. His name is Richard Rose, I would love for you to meet him. He's the president of the Atlanta NAACP and a remarkable human being, all right? Top story of the day, Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty. I believe he's a cold blooded calculated murderer, that's my opinion. But he was found not guilty in a court of law. Candace Owens, who supported Kyle Rittenhouse, cheered for him to be found not guilty, cannot simply leave well enough alone. Now Candace Owens, she wants vengeance, even though she thinks she's won. Here it is. I have to say, obviously I'm elated that Kyle Rittenhouse is getting his life back and that he's not going to spend the rest of his life in prison. But a part of this feels bittersweet. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Like we're even having to go through this process that we're even at the end of our seats wondering, is this guy going to get his life back? Or are people going to be so fearful of mob justice and of people coming after their families? They're just going to vote the way that the mainstream media and legacy media media wants them to. It's, it's sickening to me also because of his age. And I'm talking about when this actually took place. He was a 17 year old kid. His life is never going to be the same, right? You don't come out of this and, and as the same person that you were going into this. This is a kid that was smeared as a domestic terrorist and a white supremacist, not just by media members, but by the now sitting president of the United States. You know, then he was campaigning for the president of the United States. This is problematic. So for me right now, I'm going to be completely honest. I want vengeance. Like I, I want to make sure that Kyle, until he's 92 years old, is suing every single person from LeBron James to Joe Biden to the people that are in Congress, Ayanna Presley. I, I, this is not over for me. It doesn't feel like a win. So let me get this right, Candace Owens, Kyle Rittenhouse, the kid, Trayvon Martin, a thug. I'm just trying to understand your linear, linear logic here. So let me tell you what's happening, and I shared this yesterday on Indisputable. They want to make sure that Kyle Rittenhouse does not become Zimmerman. Zimmerman is a loser, but he was a loser before. They want to make sure they protect Kyle Rittenhouse. That they provide cover and protection, that they provide jobs for him. He has multiple job offers from members of Congress. What qualification? Oh, he killed two people who were protesting in a Black Lives Matter demonstration. That is the only qualification he needs, according to the members of Congress, who have offered him a job. Think about how we have de evolved. In our political conversation. Now, I need to remind everyone that even though Kyle Rittenhouse has been found not guilty in a court of law, I take you to the words of the late Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory said, The system has you thinking legal means right, but remember, slavery was legal. What you will see now is a push. From the conservative right to say, well, obviously, Kyle Rittenhouse is justified because he was found not guilty. And the verdict itself becomes 
the measure of right and wrong rather than your eyes and your own common damn sense. They want to rest their morality on these rulings. Now, these are the same people who tried to overthrow the United States government. They tried to stop a constitutionally mandated process in our democracy. They are anti US constitution. They are anti rule following. But they want you to believe that turning over what we know as self defense, habitation law and castle doctrine in the United States of America is a win. It is a loss, not just for those on the left, but for everybody in this country. Adrian, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I think you perfectly summed things up in terms of the loss that our country is suffering in part because of the law. As we saw in this case several times, the law was not written in a way that was clear enough or the law is written in a way that benefits this white vigilantism that we just saw happen in Kenosha. And as a result, we have people who die. The thing about Candace Owens' statements here is that she's also trying to pretend that Rittenhouse was somehow the victim here when he took the lives of two men and injured another. Get out of here. We need to make sure that the man who continued to live doesn't suffer from all sorts of psychological and physical injuries. He was there as a medic looking to help people, whereas Rittenhouse was out there trying to get his gun off. And also the fact that Rittenhouse is now, I guess, out on these streets flagging around or throwing around legal terms like defamation and you know, having people said he was a murderer and whatnot. First off, you a murderer. They may have said it was legally justified, but that still does not not make you a murderer. And then also that whole white supremacy thing, it's kind of hard when he has photos up of himself throwing up those signs. So it's just, mm -hmm. it's a matter of let's call it what it is. And let's not, as you said, rest on the thought that the legal system and the fact that he got an acquittal means he's innocent or that it was right. Very well said. All right, let me bring you to another trial. Another case, the defense claims in the McMichael Bryan case that Ahmaud Arbery was actually at least partially responsible for his own death after they chased him, trapped him, and brutally gunned him down while recording for kicks, okay? Now, the jury has officially started hearing these closing remarks, okay? This is an important part of the trial because it comes back to the selection of the jury as well. And remember, in this case, they were able to strike 11 out of the 12 remaining black jurors who were qualified from serving. You got one black jury member, okay? All right, so one of the defense attorneys had this to say, here it is. Turning Ahmad Arbery into a victim after the choices that he made does not reflect the reality of what brought Ahmad Arbery to Satilla Shores in his khaki shorts with no socks to cover his long, dirty toenails. The mother was so horrified by a defense attorney claiming that Ahmaud Arbery had long, dirty toenails. He's the victim of a murder. He was killed 
The DA tried to cover it up. The police never mandated an explanation to justify the killing. The DA who covered it up has now been indicted. She's gonna go to the pokey soon. Long, dirty toenails. Let's put up a picture of the real dirty SOBs. The killers of Ahmaud Arbery, Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and William Roddy Bryant. The attorney that you just heard was the attorney for Greg McMichael. Greg McMichael drove the truck that boxed Aubrey in. His son is the one who pulled the trigger. But very clearly, the dad said that he would have done it if his son did not. Aubrey's mother had to leave the courtroom during that awful closing argument. Later she made this statement. When I heard um, prosecutor, the hoax, she described Ahmad's as his long legs and his dirty, long toenails. Mm. That was just a beyond rude. Regardless of what kind of toenails he had, what size legs he had, mm. that was still, still my son. And my son actually was running for his life in that description. I thought that was just, just flat out just rude. The defense maintains that this was a citizen's arrest being made. Under Georgia law, the statute is clear. It has been changed since. But under Georgia law at that time, in order to enact a citizen's arrest, you must one, witness a felony. And you must engage in the citizen arrest in proximity of you witnessing that felony directly. It must be direct observation for you to even make that claim. All right, they're trying to change the law here. And the law was changed right after this became national news. Adrian, here's what I'm thinking here. And I want you to give me your best lawyer answer to it, okay? I'm hoping that as much as this defense is pissing me off, that is pissing off other people on that jury too. You know what, I would like to agree with you, I truly do hope so. The fact that they're blaming Ahmaud Aubrey for his death by virtue of trying to use coded language like dirt underneath his nails or wearing yeah. khaki shorts. You know, he's drawing on the classism divide, but really kind of just fueling that idea of a dirty, rancid, violent black man. And all of this portrayal that they're trying to use to the purpose of getting a self-defense acquittal. And the thing is, it's not here underneath the law, there's just not evidence to support it. These men were out here hunting Ahmad Aubrey, assuming that oh, he must have been involved in some crime. It wasn't seen, it wasn't visualized in any way by them. If anything, the only thing that they saw was a black man and they didn't want him in their neighborhood. And by virtue of this attorney's signaling about the dirtiness and the fact that he didn't fit in, so to speak, and wearing khaki shorts, that really tells you that these are just dog whistles. And I will be damned if the jury swallows and accepts this and acquits them. But you see the strategy from the beginning now. There's a reason they wanted that majority white jury, virtually an all white jury. There's a reason they wanted to make a circus out of, oh, I don't want black preachers here, right? Yes. In a way, making a summons to black preachers. And then when they get there, uh, saying, oh, we need a mistrial or I object, right? Preserving it for the record on an appeal. And now the description, the closing argument meant to do one thing, 
create dog whistle. Hopefully they have somebody on the jury according to the defense that thinks like the McMichaels or Brian. And that becomes the problem inside of our courtrooms. It's not just the law because you can really desensitize the jury to the reality of what happened. Absolutely, trying to play on and stoke the jury's fears of the thought that, hey, if you convict these individuals, you won't be able to police black people freely. And that's something we see in a lot of these Karen videos. That's what that's about, it's policing black bodies and being able to get away with it with the law essentially giving you the thumbs up and saying it's okay. So for these jurors who are predominantly white to actually have to go against that, is the concern here and that's why that defense attorney is trying to stoke those fears and to try to remind them of this dirty black man and the fear that comes up through that mentality of we do not want this in our community. Yeah, let me show everyone how immoral we have really become as a political society, okay? There's a vigilante, a driver plows into a group of people protesting the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, okay? That's a no, no, that's wrong. Several people protesting the verdict were injured and could have been killed when a car drove into their demonstration in Connecticut. Let's put up a picture of the protesters, okay? About 15 to 20 protesters were blocking portions of a roadway, holding signs and chanting Saturday evening in Manchester when a black car with Massachusetts place drove toward them and organizers believe the man intended to hurt them. Several were injured. The protesters said they were allowing vehicles to pass during green lights. So when there was a red light, they got in the street, they made their demonstration, they made their protest. Now, even if they blocked traffic, I'm not saying they did, but even if they did, protest is not protest unless it makes somebody feel uncomfortable. It is supposed to inconvenience you somewhere. There's, there's supposed to be some inconvenience connected to a real protest. Now, there was a time when we actually held life above everything else. Now, the Republicans, those on the Christian right, they don't give a damn about these protesters. They're creating laws that will basically give immunity to individuals who kill protesters who are blocking the street. What happened to being pro-life? What happened to duty to retreat if you can do so safely? Right? What happened to these rules and these statutes and these doctrines that we had in our American lexicon of law that said we value life above these other dynamics that may make you uncomfortable? He was angry, said Ms. Corey, Black Lives Matter organizer from Black Lives Matter A60. It looked like he was looking for a reason and he found one. You could tell in his face. The passenger was screaming bloody murder. Coria said about six people were struck by the car and four of them injured, including a man whose foot was run over and a 60 year old woman who was struck head on. Police are investigating the incident, but declined to offer any specifics about a possible suspect or his motives. But Coria said the incident highlights the issues involving the Rittenhouse trial. This is nothing more than another example of people deputizing themselves against others to police against their own politics and views. Adrian, there was a time when something like this would happen. People on the left and the right of the political aisle would universally denounce it and say that is not the kind of nation we are. What in the hell happened? 
Well, I think people were allowed to essentially be who they are. Because this is indeed truly an example of people deputizing themselves against individuals exercising their First Amendment right to protest. You know, and these self deployed individuals are dangerous out here. They're not only upholding or essentially really going against the letter of the Constitution, but they're also undermining any sense of democracy by trying to silence voices that are speaking out primarily against white supremacy. And you know, the Rittenhouse verdict, it really did the same thing. Thing, um, kind of just in the larger framework as the George Zimmerman verdict. It really just emboldened, emboldened these individuals to use lethal force against those who challenge white supremacy. And as a result of that, we are seeing members of Congress, many politicians out there willing to stand with them. And so we're truly just seeing who they really are. Yeah, and rulings like this, laws like Stand Your Ground, they increase the number of justifiable homicides. You go to Texas, when Texas first passed their Stand Your Ground law, justifiable homicides increased by 600 dead bodies that year. This is a real cause and effect relationship as it relates to life and liberty in this country. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Big deal today, okay? We're doing nine days of impact, TYT, nine days of impact. Today is day two, day two, nine days of impact. All right, here's how you can make an impact. The Atlanta NAACP, where I'm a member, okay? Card carrying member, and that's rare for me. I typically do not join organizations because sometimes I have to put my foot up their ass. And so I don't join everybody. But I joined the Atlanta NAACP because I highly respect the progressive leadership of a gentleman named Richard Rose, who will be on the show later today. Now, Richard Rose, he has been a champion for affordable housing, equity, minimum wage increases. And he has also had some beef with the national NAACP because of his real progressive policies. That's called a champion to me, okay? So here's what can happen today. $2 donated to the Atlanta NAACP chapter for everyone who purchases anything from the indisputable collection, all right? Help disrupt inequality and defeat racism in this country. Here's what you can do, cuz we got our Wisha Karen Wood shirts, we got our mugs, uh, we have a lot of stuff, all right? We got great merchandise. Go to shoptyt.com, shoptyt.com right now. You make that purchase, an automatic contribution will go directly to the Atlanta NAACP, okay? They do great work. Also, don't forget about the podcast. Indisputable is on podcast, okay? Go ahead, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, click follow and rate us with five stars. If you like the programming, as I said before, some lame gave me one star. So we have to come out with vengeance. Also, deep dive next, right after Indisputable, the big homie Jordan Yule. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're still Back off! I'm going to tell there's an African American man threatening my life.
smack people. I don't care. She don't have permission to record me. That's okay. I already have a lawsuit. I already have a lawsuit. Man. You know, I've never been so excited to hear like a Southern white guy until I heard him say, and nobody gave you permission to hit her either. It looked as if the white police officers who obviously were watching this, they were ready. You know why? Because regardless of race, if you're a cop, by this point in the game, you understand the reality of Karenicity now. You know when it's about to pop off. I mean, the reaction was very swift. They were already present. And it is what it is. Let's be very clear about this situation. It is not lost on me that this particular Karen carries a Trump flag, okay? And don't let that part be lost on you either. And her privilege says to her that not only can she not be recorded, she can commit a criminal act and be justified in physically assaulting a person who is recording, obviously in front of the police. Adrian, what are your thoughts? Well, I definitely think that this is a Karen in full display in action. The fact that she thinks it's acceptable for her to engage in physical contact with another for filming her in what is arguably to some extent a public place, quasi public at least. And the fact that there are plenty of signs in airports that generally say that filming engages on the premises and thus be prepared. So there was nothing wrong with that that woman was doing in terms of filming her. But by virtue of the fact that this Karen thought it was okay to slap the phone out of her hand, you know, I am happy that TSA or whoever the law enforcement there was there and that they acted swiftly because who knows what this woman would have done because she clearly thinks she's entitled to do whatever she damn well pleases. And you got to think about the confidence of this Karen. Literally, an airport is basically a police precinct. Let's be very clear about it. Basically, if you're inside of an airport, you're at a police precinct, it's a cop. Everywhere, and if they're not a cop, they're damn near a cop. They have arrest powers all over that airport. So this is what she's willing to do with the police standing right next to her. Imagine what a person like this would do if she thought she was away from everybody. Imagine if she was on that plane. Mm. How how wild she was acting just there in the airport. Imagine what would she would have done on that plane, if anything. Her antics saved lives so they could go ahead and prevent her from getting on a flight yeah. because she's a piece of work. Yeah, with a damn Trump flag, okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got a really, ser- a really serious story here, okay? So earlier this morning, a woman named Karen from Florida called my cell phone. She called my cell phone, she also texted me. I don't know how she got my number. I did answer the phone during one of my commercial breaks on my radio show this morning and she introduced herself as Karen from Florida. She then proceeded to tell me how I was wrong for using the word Karen in my I wish a Karen Wood segments. I said, have a good day and I hung up the phone on her. I don't know how she got my cell number, don't care. And then she calls my radio show. And then she emails corporate, she emails me, she's trying to get me fired. Now, obviously, (laughs) she's not gonna get me fired. I want you to hear this. Karenicity exchange. Here it is. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. We got Karen in Florida on the line. Karen, good day. Welcome. 
a few minutes ago about I wish you Karen what when I called about your video. <clears throat> no, it's not a video on your it's a YouTube channel. No, it's not a YouTube channel. It's a television show. We break out the segments <laughs> on YouTube. Okay, and but why would you go with the whole Karen thing? That is so contrary to, it seems like the man you're trying to be. As no, the man I am. So let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Is your name Karen? Yes, it is. Okay, so you're offended that on my TV show, I have a segment called I Wish a Karen Would, correct? Yes. Are you a Karen in real life? I've been Karen since the day I was born. No, but are you a Karen what in the... What is a Karen? Let me now, explain okay, to you. Imagine you asked Jesus me a question. were in the room with us. You asked me a imagine question, Imagine Jesus were in Madam. the room with us. Imagine if Jesus was in the room. you're asking me to explain what a Karen is. Madam, you're being a Karen at the moment. So I will explain to you because you did post the Sir, question, what is a Karen? Why That's are what you, you going have along a good with day, this name? Goodbye. Uh, you believe in white Jesus. I do not. See, that's Karenicity right there. You ask me a question, you call my show, you pose a question to me, and then you overtalk me. Karenicity. I wish a Karen would. And I'm going to do, I'm, hell, just because you called my radio show today, I'm going to do two segments and two different Karens on my TV show today. Tune in, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Comcast Xfinity. She called back? Go ahead, go ahead, bring it through. Deal with this. Karen, are you there? Yes. Now, Karen, you posed now, a question to me, Karen. you hung up on me, remember? Question. So you you posed a question questions. to me. I started you... off with a question, and then you All right, asked that's me it. a question. Have a good so day. you answer my All right, that's it. I appreciate you calling the show, though. But isn't it amazing? Ma'am, you're a Karen. You're not just a Karen in name. If you were just named Karen, I got friends whose names are Karen. One of my best friends, Karen Grit. Her name is Karen. She's not offended by Wisha Karen Wood. You know why she's not offended by Wisha Karen Wood? Because she's not a Karen. So this particular Karen called my cell phone multiple times, sent me text messages. And then after I hung up on, on the radio show, she, she proceeded to call the radio show multiple times. And then she did this, all right, it ain't over y'all. Then she did this. Um, after which she sent an email um, in which it read, let's put up the email on your YouTube channel. You titled the video of the white student slapping the black substitute, I wish a Karen would. This is correct, I did. You seem like a smart man, I actually am a smart man. And it seems like you love God, I do, I don't love white Jesus cause he's fictional. Why would you make fun of someone named Karen? Don't you know that's wrong? How can you be so socially aware and just choose a random name? A person's real name. Anyway, anyway, I hope you talk to God and realize it's not just, it's just not nice. Now, let me explain this to everyone, okay? Because there are some people who get really bent out of shape about the word Karen. We've had a long history of providing a particular pejorative to behavior. As a matter of fact, a meddlesome person during the antebellum era, that's 18, 15, 18, 61, they used to call them Miss Ann. Miss Ann, that was the Karen back then. And then in the early 1990s, it was Becky. As late as 2018, before Karen caught on, it was a matching of particular names such as Barbecue, Becky, Cornerstone Carolina, even Permit Patty. 
Yes, and Ken and Chad are added to that as well. I didn't start it, Karen from Florida, it was here. I use it, I utilize it, maybe even popularized it, but it's here. Okay, it's more. Uh, then she tagged me on Twitter. She's called my cell phone, text me, called my job, send me emails, tag me on Twitter. Here's the Twitter post. This is K Crumel on Twitter. Rashad Ritchie, when you Karen bash, I would appreciate being on your show in Atlanta or on YouTube. My laptop has a camera. Jesus will be watching and listening to me. Feel free to contact me. I mean, Karen, listen, there are other ways to go about getting in touch with me, okay? All right, if you just wanted some attention from me, you could have inboxed me and said, hey, can you respond to my email? All right, so she's tags me on social media, tags me on Twitter. She wants to be on the show now. Then she does this. She emails my radio station, she emails TYT and she says in part, I contacted Rashad Ritchie via phone regarding his YouTube show and the title of a video called I Wish a Karen Would. Well, he hung up on me, so I started listening to his show on WAOK. Well, I found the call in number and called in and Mr. Ritchie seriously started Karen bashing me. My gosh, on your station, it gets deeper. She then goes on to say, Karenism, question mark, and that he would put my call back up on YouTube, which I said, I'm gonna put this on YouTube, and I did. All right, I'm man of my word. I'll be watching at 2.30 today. Come back to me. Hey, Karen. Okay, she goes on to say, I would be more than happy to speak to Mr. Ritchie live and demand his apology. Come back to me. I'm not apologizing for a damn thing, okay? Mr. Ritchie, you are a fool and you misrepresent all people of Atlanta. Well, I got some cats on Glenwood that would disagree. My mother and father married in Atlanta and I have had family there all my life. Shame on you, I look forward to your response. Well, damn it, I just gave it to you. Adrian, thoughts? Well, I think you are a lot more patient than I am because there's no way in the world I let anybody harass me the way that this woman has chosen to harass you. So God bless you because as far as I'm concerned, her rope would be very short because that's completely unacceptable. Blowing up your personal cell, calling your workplace, so on and so forth. You know, The fact is that if this is the time this woman can allocate to coming after you because you are essentially addressing a social construct that has been created to essentially define a certain type of behavior, and that's her biggest problem in life, then she is just radiating her privilege and using her privilege and free time to harass you. And so I just wish her the best, and I hope that she can use her Christian attitude and her Christian spirit to direct her energy elsewhere. Very well said, and let me say this for the record. We highlight Karenicity as a behavioral construct here because Karenism is dangerous. It has been weaponized against people. Now, we've highlighted Karens of colors on the show as well. But we also know that there are white women who have weaponized their whiteness. We have seen that too, all of it is true. So when this particular Karen says that this is something that's racist, I would dare 
encourage her to research where it comes from. Because your beef is not with me. Your beef is with the original Karen who started this madness. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Kyle Rittenhouse got away with murder. He says he's not a racist. Where does he go? To the safe haven for all things racist, Fox News. So he goes on Fox News and he sits down with Tucker Carlson, all right? Tucker Carlson says that Kyle Rittenhouse should sue anyone who ever said anything bad about him, all the way up to the President of the United States. Here it is. What did you make of the President of the United States calling you a white supremacist? That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. It's actually quite hysterical how nobody can go back and look at the facts of the case. He crossed state lines, false. He's a white supremacist, false. None of that is true. And the lies that they can just get away with spreading is just sickening and it's a disgrace to this, to this country. I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people watching have reached the same conclusion. Um, and they would like to see you, you know, help make this better by holding some of these liars to account. Do you, do you plan to do that? I have really good lawyers who are taking care of that right now. Um, so I'm hoping one day there will be some, there will be accountability for their actions that they did. Okay, so you're, you're intent on not, you're not gonna let that go. Uh, like I said, really good lawyers are handling yeah. that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what in the hell is going on? I mean, they want to make sure Kyle Rittenhouse gets his money. I mean, justice. He's trained. He has been coached on what to say. That interview staged, scripted. Okay. Please believe that. Now, right after he says, really good lawyers are handling that, Kyle actually looks off camera. Here's the, who do you think he's looking at? He's looking at his coach, I mean his lawyer, okay? Is that a victim of the system or is that just a guy who smells a payday? Now, they're talking about suing Joe Biden, all right? Honestly, I'm not really thrilled by the leadership of Joe Biden. But when I looked at what they're saying they will sue Joe Biden for, it doesn't fit. And I'm glad I got an attorney on the show to break this down. Did Joe Biden actually call Rittenhouse a white supremacist? Here's the so-called evidence they have against Joe Biden. It's a video that was tweeted on September 30th in 2020, here it is. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a name. White supremacists and and right proud militias. Stand back and stand by. Let me give you more background here. Kyle Rittenhouse, obviously not even mentioned in this in this video. He is shown in one tiny portion of that video, okay? 
And here's the tweet that went along with that video. No mention of Kyle Rittenhouse either. Here's the tweet, Joe Biden says, there's no other way to put it. The President of the United States refused to disavow white supremacists on the debate stage last night. Very true statement. If Biden wanted to show Kyle Rittenhouse engaging in white supremacy, he could have shown this photo of Kyle Rittenhouse flashing a white power sign. Where is it? We have it, there it is. Between interview segments, Tucker acted like Kyle's PR representative, repeating how sweet Kyle Rittenhouse is. During the course of our long conversation, Kyle Rittenhouse struck us as bright, decent, sincere, dutiful, and hardworking. Exactly the kind of person you'd want many more of in your country. What a sweet kid. I think it, that comes through loud and clear, playing hearts in jail. One of the very few people in downtown Kenosha that night who was there for the right reasons. Imagine putting that kid in jail. Here's what I imagine. I imagine the truth of what he said days before he killed protesters in Kenosha. Here's what he said that the jurors were not allowed to listen to because of Judge Schroeder. Here it is. I wish I had my gun, my weapon, my AR. I would start shooting rounds at them. That would be murder, Kyle. That would be murder. It goes to state of mind. Now, Adrian, what all do you see here? Well, in terms of um, this whole purported defamation claim against Joe Biden, I don't think it has legs. Because first off, what Joe Biden tweeted was that um, that former President Trump would not essentially disavow white supremacists. And that's exactly what happened on that stage there. And the fact that Rittenhouse was in that video, that doesn't necessarily mean he indicated Rittenhouse. And even the implication of it, as you noted, Rittenhouse has thrown up white supremacy signs. So I don't necessarily think it would be in his best interest to go ahead and sue Joe Biden for defamation. But also we do have to bear in mind that Wisconsin just gave him an acquittal. And also in civil trials in Wisconsin, you only need about five sixths of the jury in civil trials to actually get a standing verdict. So hey, you never know what he may do, especially now that he's fully emboldened with Tucker Carlson and the rest of the Fox News Brigade. Yeah, and you see they're trying to push this guy to serve their conservative agenda. It's gonna be interesting to see what Kyle Rittenhouse does. All right, really insane story. A Maryland police officer convicted of rape, convicted of rape. He didn't plead to it, he actually got convicted of rape. Has been placed on house arrest to serve out his sentence, Baltimore County. Maryland police officer convicted of raping a woman and assaulting another was sentenced to home detention after a judge found that there was no, and I quote, psychological injury in one of the cases, prosecutors said Monday. Baltimore County Circuit Judge Keith Truffer suspended all but four years of a 15 year prison term and ordered the officer Anthony Westerman to serve it at home. So let me explain what that means. That means he got convicted, he got 15 years in prison. 
The judge, who's an elected judge, by the way, and a hardcore Republican, this judge has the authority to do what's called a suspended sentence, where they can say, yes, 15 years, I'm going to suspend this. And he's suspended just enough for the cop to qualify to legally serve the rest of the sentence at home after raping, being convicted of rape. Here's the judge. That is the so-called Honorable Keith R. Truffer. Here's the rapist, not alleged because he's been convicted of it. He's the rapist, Anthony Westerman. In a statement to NBC News, Baltimore County State's Attorney Scott Schellenberger said the sentence was, and I quote, not appropriate. You don't say. For a police officer who should know as well or better than others the reprehensibility of such an act. I fear this could cause rape victims to hesitate to report their crimes if they do not feel like they will get justice, he said. Westerman, who had pleaded not guilty to charges of second degree rape, second degree assault, and other crimes was convicted in August. He was arrested in 2019, understand the background here. He was arrested in 2019, two women accused him of rape. In one case from 2017, a woman said that after she drank too much, Westerman offered to arrange an Uber ride home. She told authorities she passed out and awoke to him raping her at his house. He was acquitted on the second rape, the Baltimore Sun reported, and convicted of forcibly kissing a third woman. This guy's serial, okay? Prosecutors had asked that Westerman serve five to 10 years in prison, but received a lighter sentence after the judge removed a count of second degree rape and found that the victim had not suffered psychological injury. Damn. Understand how deep this goes. In a statement to WBAL, prosecutors challenged the finding, arguing that the judge himself had actually described what happened to the women or to that particular woman as maybe the most traumatic moment in her life. And pointing out that she had been to therapy. But the judge dismisses that element of the crime and says no psychological injury took place, contradicting himself on the stand. It was not immediately clear whether Westerman, I get this, you would expect this guy's fired, right? Right? I mean, you're convicted of rape, you gotta go. It was not immediately clear whether Westerman, who joined the Baltimore County Police Department in 2013, is still a cop. He was suspended without pay. After he was charged, WBAL citing the department reported Monday that he had been fired. Thompson said he was still only suspended. A police spokesman did not immediately respond to a request for comment about if the man is still employed as a cop, being a convicted rapist. Adrian, he's convicted of rape. The, listen, how in the hell? Is it that HR at the police department can't come out and say, yep, he, he's fired, he's Man, convicted of rape.
because he probably isn't necessarily. You know, the fact is that our system is built to prop up these individuals essentially in this position now to enable him to rape and victimize others. And now, what? It sounds like they are continuing to provide him with some sort of employment. You know, the fact is that the judge here, every aspect of the system essentially was helping this person avoid accountability. And you know what? It kind of also signals to me that the victims are probably from marginalized groups of some mm, sort. Yep. The fact that the system did not care enough to get them actual justice, but to protect this white male officer. No, yep. this is and the system. And this is what we talk about when we say rape culture, this protection of rapists. This is what we talk about when we discuss critical race theory or the intersection of race bias and how it plays out in institutional norms. It is all combined here. And what does it equal? Injustice for victims, that's what it equals. On a lighter note, on a lighter note, the city of Atlanta is trying to do something very unique. 300 residents will receive universal basic income, okay? They will receive a income, an income for one year based on a pilot program, okay? Hundreds of Atlanta residents are expected to receive guaranteed income for an entire year following the approval of a new pilot program. The Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, who is not running for re-election, which really creates opportunity for her to do things like this. She's not running for re-election. She pushed to establish a mayor's for a guaranteed income pilot program. As revealed in a recent press release, the income mobility program for Atlanta community transformation has been titled Impact. The program is dedicated to serving 300 Atlanta residents with monthly payments. The residents must be at least 18 years old as well as live below 200% of the federal poverty line. Participants within the program will be awarded $500 per month in guaranteed income for up to the full 12 months during the pilot period. In order to launch the program, the city of Atlanta will donate $2 million to a local nonprofit. The organization is the Urban League of Great Atlanta, great organization. And the league will also receive an additional $500,000 from the mayors for a guaranteed income organization. Now, some people are saying, "Oh my goodness, look at that handout. Now remember, the issue is addressing poverty, okay? That's the issue. When you have money, you can actually afford to live, right? It creates an ecosystem in the economy. You can pay for things, taxes, revenue, things are building, right? So I wanna remind everyone who may be adversarial to something like this, uh, don't come around me quoting Dr. King anymore. If you're 100% against this, don't you dare come around me quoting Dr. King another time, okay? Because I will remind you of something. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was for universal basic income. Here it is. Dr. King laid out the case for the guaranteed income in his final book, 1967's Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or community. Washington's previous efforts to fight poverty, he concluded, had been piecemeal and pygamy. The government believed it could lift up the poor by attacking the root causes of their impoverishment one by one. By providing better housing, better education, and better support for families. But this is in his book. These efforts had been too small and too disorganized. Moreover, he wrote, 
the programs of the past all have another common failing. They are indirect. Each seeks to solve poverty by first solving something else. This is a more direct approach, okay? Adrian, what are your thoughts? What I can tell you is definitely, I think this is the right thing to do. The fact is that you have people in Atlanta who are paying taxes, who are there supporting the community and should should be paid back to them. You know, Atlanta is one of the top 10 US cities with the highest economic output. That's about like 371 billion. You know, and that's on par with Ireland, Taiwan, a lot mm-hmm. of other nations. So there's a lot of money to go around. And so maybe the government should actually do what it's supposed to do, which is take care of the people. There you go. And Atlanta has a lot of revenue, and they brag about how much revenue they have every single election cycle. All right. Thank you, Adrian. Always a pleasure. How can people follow you? Check out your book, all of that good stuff. All right. Well, if you want to get a book, definitely check out Staying in the Game, Playbook for Beating Workplace Sexual Harassment. It is award winning and also on sale right now on Amazon. And it's also in the TYT store. So you want to grab a copy. It's great for giving as gifts, especially to individuals out there who are not down to play the traditional workplace game. And then also you can follow me on Instagram at Adrian Lawrence, Twitter at Adrian Law, and also head over to Rebel HQ where you can catch my videos for Overruled. Thanks so much. Awesome, good stuff, thank you as always. Don't forget Deep Dive coming up next. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.